0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now. Hey guys, this is Helen here. And I'm Jessie and you're listening to Asian Bitches Bitches. Down Down Under. So this is a bonus episode where um, Helen and I, we decided that during our normal podcasts, we were really wanting to um, spend some time discussing the books, films, and TV series that we've consumed during the week. But um, we found that we were going way too long over our scripts for our podcasts. So we thought that mm-hmm. we would release a, a few episodes during during the week where we can Really just focus on some of the stuff and unpack the stuff with, that we've consumed. So, uh, Helen, do you want to start off by telling us what some of the stuff you have seen this week mm-hmm. or read? With
0: my kids, uh, I've rewatched Hidden Figures and the new film that we watched with our kids, The Call of the Wild
1: with Harrison Ford. Every time, every every time I think of Harrison Ford, I just think of Bruce Beresford's Bruce Beresford's uh, memoir, which I think he wrote maybe fifteen mm-hmm. years ago. Bruce Beresford is like a di- director, Australian okay. director. He is famous for doing Driving Miss Daisy, I believe, which I actually haven't seen. But um, <laughs> he just in this memoir, he I think the memoir is called something like. Josh Hartnett will not do this. So Josh Hartnett's name is in the memoir title. Mm -hmm. And there's this one scene in his memoir where he writes about having a dinner with Harrison Ford, where literally Harrison Ford grunts his way through the dinner. Like he's just so unpleasant. It's so funny. So every time I see Harrison Ford now, I just think of like a deeply, deeply unpleasant white, straight man. (laughs)
0: Yeah he feels like he's giving me the impression now he's I don't know how old he is because you know we start watching him since in the 80s from Star Wars. I feel like he's a very the impression that he gives me is like and also the impression that he portrays in this film The Cold Wild is pretty much like the grumpy old man.
1: (laughs) He's 77 yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah so that's that are the two films that we've watched with the kids and the other two films that I watched are Ali's Wedding, uh, which is uh I don't know whether or not it's it's okay to call it ethnic film. It's based on one of the uh I think it's Iranian Australian actors. Like it's inspired of real like true mm-hmm. events. And mm-hmm. also another film is uh Green Book, mm-hmm. you know, by um Vigo Mortensen. Well, he's in it. He didn't direct the film. He he's he in it. Di- yeah. yeah, he's in it. And also uh, with the Mahasala Ali. Mahasala Ali. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he's hot. That's a brilliant film. Yeah. Oh, you shouldn't say that publicly. He's really good in there.
1: <laughs> just kidding. I totally just censored <laughs> you, my sister when I when this whole pod is about not censoring <gasps> women. No, nah, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, it's it just it's it becomes so unsavory to publicly declare your love for the green book because it's so deeply racially wrong and there are so many pods out there that can like i I encourage you to listen to jenna Wortham and wesley morris on still processing they talk about the the problematic aspects of this film and you know there are so many so much ink out there i don't know about Uh. the ways in which this film is glorifying you know white savior and it just it's Mm -hmm. uh, anyway what why did you like it
0: Oh, I liked it for the for the acting, as in how Ali had portrayed the character. Mm-hmm. Not so much so for the story itself, because like you say, it's really based on possibly the uh, idea of white savior. You know, at the end of the day, the story, the the movie, I think is written by Tony Lip's um, son.
1: Wasn't there a lot of issues about how inaccurate it was? Oh, was it? I haven't yeah. like I, I watched yeah. the film without reading any
0: critics or review yet. Maybe <laughs> oh, okay. I should. Well. Yeah. No, but,
1: no, I yeah. don't think you should do anything. Uh, you know, you approach art the way you want to. Mm-hmm. But um, I I remember feeling bad about liking it because I also enjoyed the film, mm-hmm. and and it's a different sort of conflict. It's not the same conflict I have when I watch, say, You've Got Mail, which is my favorite rom com in the world, mm-hmm. and it's so white. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm, I still love it. But with The Green Book, it's a different sort of conflict. Because um, I think the reason why it felt good was because I've been trained mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. receive a piece of work, an artwork, a certain way. And because that film had hit all those precise Hollywood moments, that for me, it registered as a feel good movie, <laughs> when actually the underlying mm-hmm. message of it was still inherently racist. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of fucked up things. You know, oh, yeah, totally, yeah. In
0: the movie. And you can't stop feeling uncomfortable about it. Because at the end of the movie, you know, it seems like a happy ending, but there's nothing that's changed the systematic problems with oh, of the course, whole thing. course. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, um, so those are the movies
1: uh, we've yeah. watched this week. Awesome. Awesome, that's a lot. The Sydney Film Festival is on. Oh, okay. Can't wait to dig into my passes. Uh, I don't actually have time in the next week to get through all of them. I have about 20 films to get through, so I'm kind of in my head, I'm just kind of pacing myself. There are a lot of documentaries, a lot of short films um, on this year's program, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Myself, I have mostly Mm -hmm. been reading uh, memoirs written by violinists because I'm writing a second. My second novel is about my first novel is about a violinist and my second novel is also about classical musicians. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I just have this. I don't know. I like another love hate relationship. With the classical music world, I guess, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd finished the uh, Milstein's my memoir about his time moving away. He was born in Odessa in the Ukraine, and then how he had mm-hmm. to leave in order to pursue a a career as a traveling soloist. Nathan Milstein is phenomenal. Like um, a lot of in the year- era in which he was prominent beginning from the 30s, 40s, 50s, he kind of set the foundation for the most now currently revered classical violinists, Ida Handel, and Joseph Hesid, and Jasta Heifetz, and David Oistrak, Menuhin, a lot of Rostropovich, he's a cellist, but yeah, that, that world is so foreign to me I think so right now I'm reading Mm -hmm. Ida Handel's memoir called Woman with Violin so that's really interesting but this morning I just discovered that in my on my bookshelf uh, like a lot of books I find undiscovered and then rediscover them I have this book here called Policing the Planet which is Released in, was published in 2016 by Verso and it's edited by Jonathan Camp and Christina Heatherington. It's a collection of works in regards to Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter and the policing crisis. Yeah, so this is really interesting and I can't wait to dig into it considering recent events in the States. Mm -hmm. Let's launch into the main crux of What we wanted to come here to discuss today, which is a film Mm -hmm. which won the Academy Award for Best Live Action Short Film for 2020. And it's a film called The Neighbor's Window. It's a film by Marshall Curry Mm -hmm. and it's a short film about 20 minutes long. So I saw this on YouTube and then I felt a lot of things. I wrote some things and then I sent it to hell and hell I, I guess I'll first just kind of set lay out the premise of the short film mm-hmm. for our listeners so basically it the film opens with a white couple in their 40s very affluent they have a huge apartment well for me in New York it's pretty big mm-hmm. a huge apartment they're obviously very wealthy uh, they have two children and the woman is pregnant with her next so Mm -hmm. one night they look across the building to see a young couple having sex in the apartment directly opposite Mm -hmm. theirs and then subsequently throughout the film we see her and her husband remain intrigued looking through binoculars in the evening and like sort of spying on this couple this young couple on the other side of the on the other building and we see that the camera really centers on this woman this white woman who is exhausted, and she is? We see her struggling to sort of be the domestic,
0: the main person who's taking care yeah, of everything. Yeah, we see her everything. as
1: the sort of domestic manager, and. So the film really mm-hmm. shoots her face and centralizes her humanity and her, her struggle. And, and one night, we watch her watch mm-hmm. the guy across mm-hmm. on the other building, the man in the other couple, the young dude. And we learn that he has shaved his head. And then the next scene, we see her seeing across the building that he is now he is now laying on the bed and so clearly we're being shown that he has cancer and then we see the family gather around them the partner the female partner sort of on the side standing by the side of the bed and it's just very clearly centralizes this white woman mm-hmm. the woman who's watching her and her perspective and i guess it, for me it just it was so i felt a lot of things which i'll get into but do you want to tell tell us what your first reaction was upon seeing this film?
0: Like the uh, the first part of the film made me feel it's really, I don't know. I, I didn't understand. I'm trying to get what the filmmaker's intention of making this film. I actually read your notes first oh, before that okay. I went so into, it was very... jump into the film. So... Mm. <laughs> Um, that was kind of yeah, that was kind of a mistake, I think. But because I kind of like receiving of course, yeah. perceiving your emotions before that, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like I have got a preconceived um emotion before watching this oh, damn. film.
1: Okay, so it was very
0: the main woman is trying yeah. to compare herself with the young couple because earlier in at the beginning of the film when they first saw that young couple actively engage in, you know, in sexual intercourse, intercourses, yeah, and they felt like envy of them because they're young, they're fun, mm. they can do whatever yeah. they want, they can't yeah. even be bothered of having, you know, the, you know. To cover, <laughs> to, you know, block themselves, you know, you know from... Yeah, I,
1: I, I felt that was so strange because I, I mean, it's a film about sort of voyeurism, obviously, but also I was thinking just now hearing you say that um, every time I enter a new space and I always look around to see if there is any opportunity for people to look inside because I feel violated if people can see, especially in my own home, you know, I always draw the blinds. I think we, we grew up being... I
0: feel like that's something that our mother have given us.
1: Well, this deep sense of privacy.
0: Because I remember when we before we moved out of our parents' house. Our parents' house is always this very secured blind that can just you know, even even with a proper blind, mom has to put like another layer of mesh. <laughs>
1: remember? Yeah. We had two la- yeah, we had two layers of blinds. Very protective of our domestic landscape, I guess. Do you think that's a very Asian thing? I don't know if it's an Asian thing.
0: If our listeners yeah, out there can tell us their own experience growing up if they something is similar
1: to us, maybe they can tell us. Yeah. But that's that's I don't think it I I I don't, I'm going to guess that it isn't, uh-huh. but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't feel like it's a, a particularly racial thing, uh-huh. but who knows? Yeah. I feel like that that question can be answered in a myriad of ways. That's right, yeah. But on
0: the other hand, I feel like yeah, the couple with the kids, yeah. why would you want to, like I wouldn't want to do that, like keep on spying to, like, you know, looking at other people's lives to the point that you yeah. get a binocular. Um, it's just out of, it's, I know when, it's not normal. Yeah. Like to me, it's not normal.
1: Yeah, so at one stage early in the film, we see that the girl has now, the woman, the main woman, um, has now like, decided to take a pair of binoculars and actually use them to look across look across to the other side to the other building and i thought that was it was really telling because mm. what if what if a black person was doing that what if that woman was black you know or what if she was arab or what if she was asian i wonder how that might be received like i feel like she she is less judged she's because white. she's a white yeah. woman she's able to, Yeah, she's able to do that without Mm -hmm. too much weirdness or too much judgment placed on her. And for me, immediately, this film really reaped of white privilege Mm -hmm. and sort of it really dripped with a sense that we were being asked to center these clearly affluent, privileged white people just and and we're we're asked as the viewer to feel sorry for this mother because she's tired and we're uh, we're asked to feel sorry for her because she doesn't have sex and we're asked to sex with her husband and we're asked to um, Mm -hmm. feel sorry for this couple um, and the man who made one comment about, oh, I've got grey pubic hairs growing now as though that is the most tragic thing in the world. And like the music, like for me, the music is, I was going to say I hate music and film, but that's not a, what I mean. I mean, often like my, one of my favorite films is um, No Country for Old Men. And it's a yeah. film that doesn't have any music at all. And I really mm-hmm. love that because I feel like I used to go around telling people I hate music and that really um, provoked them. And it made them laugh, obviously, because I, Mm-hmm. was a musician and I taught music. Um now I, I don't think I would say that because mm-hmm. that's very violent in a way and it's stupid, but what I meant I think when I said that was music is so music is so it it's enforcing. It like when music is a particular type of music is played during a scene in a film, mm-hmm. it's making you feel a certain way. Do you know what I mean? And and like Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hate that. Like, I hate being made to feel a certain yeah, way. It's an emotional trigger. I feel as though, as the audience, I don't want to be bombarded with instructions in how to receive a work of a piece of work, an artwork. The most intelligent artworks I feel uh, respect the viewer mm-hmm. and allows the viewer space in her own mind and her own body to, f- to receive whatever she needs to receive from that work of art. So when you're bombarding uh, your viewers with a lot of music as well as like s- scenes in a film, I just feel as though that is a cheap way mm. of getting your point across. And so the music in this film, in The Neighbor's Window, um, the music that accompanies the film is very contemplative, it's melancholic, it all mm-hmm. makes you feel, you know, like gentle strings or like folky folky guitar playing. It just makes you feel as a viewer as though you are being forced to feel sorry and internalize the suffering. Mm-hmm that these affluent white couple are going through and i was kind of just irritated mm-hmm. by that i think uh,
0: how music makes you feel throughout a film it's a bit subjective because everyone's emotional receiving standard is very different like i i'm the person that will easily cry with um any sort of music or any sort of like visual um, sense. But, um, like, my my friends have laughed at me saying that, you know, why would you cry at Pixar's movie? <laughs> because I can, you know. Like, I'm a person of, for a lot of, like, probably a bit more sad emotion rather than the happy emotion. But even with happiness, you know, I cry as well. So, I don't know. I don't feel like music is a cheap way. It's probably... Um, they're trying to fit into the scene. You know, it's hard. Yeah, but I can understand from your point of view. You know, they're trying. It's probably what the filmmaker was trying to make. You know, the audience feel, and they want to convince the way that you should be feeling sorry for them. But of course, that uh, on your argument, yeah, you and don't- I don't. Yeah, I kind of feel. Well, I don't yeah, want- I-
1: I don't want to feel sorry for
0: a rich white couple. Yeah. I, I feel a bit conflicted here. I mean, I've got two sides. Like, I kind of feel sorry for them, but I, I don't feel... Like, I feel sorry for the woman, you know, but I don't feel so much mm. sorry for the man. Sorry for the man. I because it, what I've seen throughout the first um, half of the film is that she's the one that's been constantly exhausting, you know, when yeah. you have to deal with...
1: Yeah, exhausted yeah
0: yeah you know, with the kids it's definitely hard to keep up with the kids and also um trying to manage a household you know and especially when you're coming home, there's a scene that when she came home with her two older kids, or oh, three kids, when she's already given birth. Yeah. Anyway, so two toddlers and one baby She's had. she had like mm-hmm, on the mm-hmm. um, baby carrier. So she was trying to unload her yeah. kid from the parent and moving the things, like the shopping. Obviously, she just went to yeah. grab yeah. a couple of grocery shopping into the kitchen. And the husband, and the husband what is he He doing? was finishing a call <laughs> of his work. Yeah. And then yeah. he can clearly see clearly seeing that she's upset and annoying and, and struggling. struggling and yeah. struggling, yeah. And then I think she he made some comments saying that oh, isn't it fun going out, you know, with your kids to the zoo and things like that compared to me slaving off sitting here yeah. doing work,
1: yeah. yeah um, with, I'm your, just like, with your feet on the table.
0: Fuck, where has this guy been? Has he not been take has he not done any childcare before, you know? Like how the hell can you compare? Yeah.
1: It's not fun. Yeah. It's
0: not fucking fun. Seriously, it's not fun for a grown woman trying to struggle with two toddlers and a baby and doing shopping.
1: Who said parenthood was fun? Yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: it's like he I I don't know. There's a Mm. lot of men out there. I'm I'm not going to be absolute about all men, but there's a lot of men out there that just considers that because it's unpaid fucking work, then it's fun. Mm. Like taking your kids out to the zoo and struggling to – or taking your kids. uh, They have like a mirage of happiness, you know, thinking that spending time with your kids is fun. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I just feel like I feel sorry for that woman then. Mm, but mm. that that's about it. Yeah. But then later in the second half of the movie that she had That's that's the problem with this film. I don't know. Like you see the woman struggling, but in the second half of the movie where he told her that she can have a day off. Oh my fucking god. I like yeah, I hate it when people saying that when the male partner taking mm. care of the kids. They're giving the female yeah. partner a day yep. off, and so that's why we have to give you. Like the male have the power to give you. Oh, mm. like it kind of yeah, it annoyed me so much. Anyway, you don't see the you don't see the father struggle. There's no receiving of him. Understand that it's hard to, you know, take care of three kids. Yeah, anyway, do you want to continue to continue with the film of what happened later?
1: Yeah, so the turning point is that eventually one evening... Do we ever find out her name? We only
0: know the name of the kids because that's I don't feel the, like we find out any names, yeah, do we? They only have the name called out of the kids. Kids, the Tanner
1: and Luther, such white names. We don't know the names of the, any adults. So this main woman, yeah. I hate referring to her as the main woman... Anyway, so this main woman she sees across one night sees across a building that uh, two people, men, ha- have come to take the body of this young dude who has, you know, we we learn we we realize that he's dead, and uh, we the the camera basically follows what she is seeing across the building. She decides to go down onto the street and then cross the road. And then she watches from about 10 meters away as the body is being transported away by the morgue people. And I remember just when I was watching, I was like, please not be another white savior, white savior kind of trope. But obviously it was. <laughs> it is, yeah. And, and I believe she, I believe what happens next is she, the main woman goes and approaches the young lady and i th- and i couldn't really tell what race the young lady was but i don't think she was white would you agree
0: um i think she's she's either a biracial or latino yeah
1: I mean, yeah that's that's like. what i thought yeah yeah so that's really important okay that's like i really want mm-hmm. listeners to focus in on what i'm trying to focus in on which is the fact that this young woman this other person she was being jealous of the whole time and watching and now is besieged with the most tragic of tragedies. Her, hus- her partner has just died. We don't know that it's her husband yet. Her husband ju- uh, has just died. Um, we see that she's not white. I think
0: that's really important. Yeah, she's a person of colour.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's super important. And she the main woman starts having a conversation with her and then the young woman says, "Oh, I think I know you. Are you the woman who across the window, or across the building because we sometimes my husband and I," she says, "we sometimes um see you can and see your, your kids." kids. Yeah, yeah. Can see you and your kids and like and basically she says, "Oh, we kind of envy your life because it looks so perfect." And and then she says, "Your kids are yeah. so cute." And I'm thinking, "How the fuck can you see the faces from so far away maybe, you
0: know <laughs> I uh, I think this is creepy honestly yeah it's creepy as in that pro- proximity that you can see and judge the appearance of one individual it is
1: yeah it's really it's really
0: and but but then again it's coming out from like a woman so maybe yeah so you know most people don't feel I like know it's so creepy, it's, but... that's
1: a really good point you make like what if it was a man who was doing what the woman was doing that's really creepy yeah, yeah. and and yeah. like yeah, this idea of who gets to be creepy and what is allowed to be okay, like this white woman mm-hmm. who on the surface looks totally quote unquote normal um she <laughs> she she hears what this young woman's saying to her, and then they kind of hug, I guess yeah they do they do hug, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then,
0: yeah. I think it's just a very natural thing for people to do when right. you want to consult with, you know, someone who has just lost someone in their life. Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah. And I wonder if the white woman, I'm just going to go out and call her white woman. Yeah, anyway. okay. white woman. <laughs> the white woman <laughs> that she feel very emotionally involved because she's been watching them for so long yeah. that she feel that she's attached to it. Right. You know, sometimes you if you see a strange like, I wouldn't, like, I would not approach someone who the next two minutes just told me that their partner has passed away. I, I don't think, like, personally, I don't know about other people, personally, I wouldn't hug that person, even if it's a woman. Like, I would say, oh, I'm sorry for to hear yeah. that, you know, like maybe a pet on the shoulder. But yeah, the action yeah. that she's given to her yeah, as in the hug yeah. um, feels like she was really involved to what had happened to the young woman's, you know, experience. Mm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. like she's taking up the emotional burden as well. I mean, if to me, it feels exhausting because I don't see the male, like the white man has taken up that emotional burden. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's kind of you throw everything yeah. towards the two female characters in the film to take care of it, like, emotionally. Like, I don't see much of the yeah. emotional reflection yeah. out of the man, which I kind of feel frustrating.
1: Yeah. Would you like to see that? Is that what you're saying? You would like to see... I would like to what? see
0: a bit more male taken upon the emotional burden. Like,
1: I, I, I want to see
0: how the yeah. husband will feel, you know, the white man will feel if he was at... About Yeah, what? if he was at the point of the view of his wife. Like... Right, she saw right. what happened when they came in and removed the yeah. dead body. You know, that's probably, yeah. that's, you know, for most people that would be shocking, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but she's the one, she's the first person who's seen that, besides the young woman. Later, of course, she would tell her husband what happened, but I don't feel like the white man will feel as much as her because it's the second source like she would describe, mm. oh, you know, what I saw last night or tonight, you know. That couple I've been we've been watching for months, you yeah. know, and the husband or the partner has just yeah. died. Yeah. I don't know how much the emotion that the white man will take upon from there. I feel like the white man will probably just say that,
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's really sad, let's move on. That's really sad. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like it feels like the man will move on a lot more faster if they have like they haven't like they haven't gone through or they haven't seen what had why yeah he, the wife has well, seen well
1: I, I because the film the way that Marshall Curry f- frames each shot we're really asked to internalize and go on this journey with the white woman and we're being asked to go on the journey with her because we're. Mm. Mm-hmm. he his point is that she is more invested in the other couple, maybe because she's actually more unhappy in the marriage, and so she needs mm-hmm. more fantas- she needs more space to fantasize another life another another source of like titillation
0: mm-hmm. i guess do you think that is why people follow celebrities on Instagram well not even celebrities just I don't know mm-hmm. what they call themselves. YouTube influencers yeah
1: and all that yeah yeah totally i think so i think that's why there's an epidemic of like loneliness and general anxiety i and you know mental illnesses mm. and all this is because today in 2020 it's so much more difficult to reach a point of content contentment mm-hmm. and satisfaction mm-hmm. because it seems like your whole life's existence and its well being is based on what other people are doing. And, you know, I feel I'm I'm like I, I I'm of two minds. I often say that I would have lived a more genuinely less I, I would have lived more comfortably as a human being mm-hmm. if I lived in the 50s where people wrote letters to each other because mm-hmm. I really like a slow life where – I like a slow existence where conversation is really the source of um, human connection but I don't want to live mm-hmm. in the 1950s as a woman because, you know, I wouldn't yeah, have had any uh, rights back then, you know. So it's I'm really conflicted yeah. about that. I guess the world back in in the 50s was – elements of it in terms of human engagement to me sounds really appealing but in terms of gender engagement like as a woman it's not appealing at all mm-hmm. and so therefore in conclusion if i had a choice i would still live in 2020 mm-hmm. um but but you make a great connection in in tying that link to why people follow people i, I could give two shits about what celebrities are doing but you know that's just me mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think referring back to the film, like I feel like um, the woman is trying to reconnect with her youth by watching, right. you know, through the window of what's happening with a young couple. Yeah, yeah. You know, and she did express um, her envy. Like both of the women express envy towards each other's life. Envy, yeah. It's like, yeah, and mm. it's, it's hard to be content with your own life when you're seeing someone... Who's got something that you don't have right now? uh, I guess would would that be like a very human thing?
1: Well, just very cliche. Let me just have two seconds of cliche. Mm -hmm. It's the film is basically basically saying the grass is not always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and the the reason, the core reason why I hate why I am uncomfortable with this film is that that lesson. Is taught to a white woman um, at the expense of a colored woman. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I agree you with know, that. You know,
1: our, like, our, yeah, like, we are still the ones, um, our story in that f- film at least, is still being used for a, like, the utilitarian uh, aspect of it is just purely. For a white woman to go home and like ah oh, see her k- kids in a new light, oh, and like her husband, they don't have cancer, they're still alive, okay, I'm gonna leave her like I'm not gonna be jealous mm. anymore because this colored woman she just lost her husband, so oh, I should be more grateful, like mm. fuck off, I think it's also like
0: um to go back to what I say about the feeling the emotional burden of the white woman, it's only placed upon her throughout the film. Rather than the husband, the man, you know, I don't think that anything would change mm, mm. towards the feeling of the man after even thought that if, I agree, you know the wife tells him what happened to their you know neighbor, he's he's still probably gonna feel ungrateful. <laughs> he's still gonna complain about his grey yeah. pubic hair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that you said that because I feel as though you've yeah what you say makes me realize yeah why did marshall curry decide to make this into a film it's a sweet film but at the end of the day i think it's trying to educate upper white affluent women about staying grateful for whatever they have in their lives and it's like we don't need Mm. another lesson like that i want to be taught more i want to be taught Mm. more interesting lessons i want to i want a lesson that addresses me thank you very much You know, like, why are we still making... Mm -hmm. Why are these films who are winning awards, that are winning awards, still being made about an affluent white person who needs to learn the lesson that they need to be grateful Mm -hmm. for their affluence and their whiteness and their... God, she has a fucking bathtub. You know, like, who has a bathtub in New York City? And delivery on dry clean. (laughs) Oh, my God! (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Fuck, she has her dry cleaning delivered. Like, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm just... Yeah, this... And they live the quite... Film.
0: They're, they're in like a CBD area, weren't it? Because there's a scene over the Brooklyn... If I'm not mistaken, yeah. the Brooklyn... They're very close to Brooklyn yeah. Bridge, isn't it? Yeah, they? yeah,
1: yeah. And just, I mean, the the literally the The apartment is mat, like f- it's it's really big. It's really yeah. big, and they have fucking p- p- plants, indoor plants. Uh-huh. Like, if have, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like if you have, yeah, they have a balcony. Like if you have if you have indoor plants, and you're white, you're affluent.
0: And comparing to the young couple, like we don't see much of the interiors of their apartment, but it seems very yeah. bare to me. B-
1: bland and yeah. bland. Yep. Yeah. I love that you it. say that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there's there's a direct comparison as well. You know, it's like what we were talking about yesterday about photojournalism. Like, mm. the Western world always need to bring up a certain suffering of the other side of the world yeah. to yeah. make themselves feel bad or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. make themselves mm-hmm. realize how they should be grateful. Yeah, for what we have, yeah, yeah.
1: I love that you've made that connection. I yeah, know that's what I. I think that's why uh, I really did not yeah. like the message of this film. Like, it's a beautiful film. It's really easy to watch. Like, I literally enjoyed watching it, but I hated the lessons it was trying to. It was trying to it implicitly spread. Yeah,
0: I think it's like it's like like for me. I feel like. There's enough stories that's been telling
1: exactly everyone I mean. about this.
0: Why? Why is it's it's not? It doesn't feel very special at all. And it's yeah, well, it's one and, and it's war. one awards. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. That that is you've really uh, expressed another f- fundamental reason why I'm frustrated by this movie. Mm-hmm. If we keep having it, people. It, mm make these kind of movies, if we keep having people like Marshall Curry make these kind of movies that center the white affluent person, then what's happening in the States with racism, you know, and all that, it's just going to keep going on. Like, I honestly think the source of change starts with movies yeah, or books yeah, or TV series. Yeah. I
0: really think that. Especially if you're talking about like um, very popular, like, mm-hmm. Blockbuster movies, mm-hmm. most of them will still be white. I mean, yeah. if you're talking about if you want to have people of color in a, the, there's very very few, that has gone and breaking the box office. Yeah. You know, we don't know perhaps what Will Smith, mm-hmm. but most of his films are still very based on unrealistic. Yeah expectations of like i don't know fantasy like action movies fantasy yeah there's a couple of ones that's a bit more dramatic as in the drama based mm. you know the pursuit of happiness which mm. is imp- i haven't seen that one but you know it's you know inspired by it with
1: a true event i haven't seen that it's my russian teacher's favorite film she told me that oh, okay. the other day and i was like mm, i have not seen that it looks really cheesy have you seen it I haven't seen it, but people okay. say it's a tea joker. Yeah. But I think apart from that,
0: I, I can't, like, on, on the top of my mind, it's still very white
1: dominant. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, just everything you've said has been so interesting. And 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 I love the way you've connected social media to this film and also, like, what we discussed yesterday mm-hmm. in regards to the centering of the affluent white people, Um and their lens in the industry of photojournalism. And yeah, this, I guess what I, the, I'm glad we talked about this film because it's just another f- example of how our pain as coloured people is used for, as proxy for white people to reflect on their own lives. You know, like this this film was so perfectly... I don't know what, like if you're a white person, mm-hmm. like... I
0: wouldn't mind. Like, I, I feel like I'm challenging our listeners. If you're a white person and you're watching this film, like, how would yeah. you feel? I don't think you they know, would think about like, race. Bec- yeah. Bec- I, yeah, it would be very hard unless, you know, they're listening to us and they're pointed. we point, we pointed out, you know, things yeah. in the film that's a bit more
1: subtle that maybe normally people wouldn't yeah. take notice yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. I, and I get that. You know, like, if I was a white woman, I wouldn't, see race at all in it because I would immediately identify myself in that white woman and in, in her position. It's really not hard to see. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. like I hope in a couple of years' time it's not as easy to fall into blind blindness about race as it is currently. My my biggest blind spot is um, my ability and my class as well. Like often, for example, I never think about the fact that I can use my legs. Mm-hmm. For a white person, it's like, do they never think about their race? Because for me, it's almost like, yeah, mm-hmm. I of course I have legs. Like, what are you talking about? I never think about not having legs. But for a lot of people, disabled people or people who have injuries to their legs or spine or, you know, other parts of their body, having legs is a privilege.
0: So it's like talking from a point of empathy, whether or not that you'll feel how the other p- person is feeling. Yeah. That's why I mentioned mm. that I don't think, even if it's a uh was it like, I don't know, somewhere it was based yeah, on it was based like on a true event, isn't it? Yeah.
1: A true story. So yep. mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it was turned into a radio program before a film.
0: I, I don't feel like the husband will ever feel how the wife had felt because, you know, it's, not something that he seen directly himself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I, why I
0: also mentioned, like in our notes, I said that um, if someone who are interested to to explore um the feeling of male grievance, you, you can go on to Netflix and look up uh, Afterlife. Mm. I think. Um, that like short dramas, I think this, they're into their second season now, is Ricky Juveris. Um He played a widow in the drama and mm. I think that drama really explores how male goes through the grievance of losing their partner. Like they, that, that, yeah. that, that is a direct, you know, encountering of that type of emotion for men. Yeah. yeah. So unless that they they're in it they will not never feel hurt yeah
1: yeah and and it's almost like you know when people i remember when i taught at girl schools mm-hmm. a lot of our male leaders like sometimes we would have a male principal mm-hmm. and he would often and politicians do this as well they'll often say oh i know how hard it is for women i've got two daughters oh you know that that trope, I hate yeah. That. It's, it's oh, I've got yeah, a mother as so, well, and I've got. Sister. I know I've got, oh, I've got a sister. It's not like you and? have to have some sort of relationship in order to feel. Yeah, to, in order to f- have empathy. Yeah, you you it's, can't it's so
0: you can't educate insulting yourself. Insulting to men,
1: yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's very it's insulting to men, but also tragically, it's o- often very common yes, with men. It's very they common. they have to. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's like I'm a, I'm a father of two kids. That's yeah, why and that I, makes you the
1: authority on women.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like I'm the father of two kids, that makes me, re- you know, relative to all the parenting topic. You know,
1: if you're, and, oh, and, yeah, and grievances, ugh. exactly. And also, there's a fucked upness to the, the father model because it's like you need to have some sort of proprietorial relationship with a woman in order to feel for her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really. Yeah, I fucked agree up. with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a, as a we men still feel like they need to own a woman, mm-hmm. as though a, a daughter, someone younger, someone I need to protect. Mm-hmm. This this film, yeah, go uh, for all you guys out there, um, go watch it. It's only twenty minutes.
0: Yeah, it's very long. short. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> it was good to debrief about this interesting film which has un see this is this is the this is the power of film this is why i love talking about it we just unpack so many things
0: yeah and we're seeing we're, we're, we're talking about it because we're seeing it from our point of view you know maybe yeah. not not a lot of people hopefully some people would uh listen to this episode and go back to watch Watching rewatch it, it yeah. or just re-watch watch it, it for yeah, the first through time our lens and yeah just Think about the points that we've brought up in this yeah, discussion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, hell Yeah, thank you. It's great to chat. Okay, cheers. Okay, thanks, guys. And bye. Bye.